Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to the Knowing God podcast. If this is your first time joining us, thank you. You are welcome in the name of Jesus. I pray that as you listen to this podcast and as you go back and listen to all other episodes, that the Holy Spirit will inspire you to want to pick up the Bible and create a relationship with God through his word in the name of Jesus. So this is your host, Anike Akinbode. I should call myself the co-host because the main host is the Holy Spirit. I do not do the talking on my own strength or my own power or my own might. It is all the all from the Holy Spirit, not me. It has nothing to do with me. And so I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will continue to just lead us and direct us in this reading and that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to the truth that he wants us to know, that he wants us to apply to our daily lives, and that he wants us to sow into the lives of others. So welcome, welcome, welcome back. Now, before we begin, we usually like to recap. And um, last week, I had a beautiful guest. She's a, um, a dear friend of mine. We've known each other for many years, but she's also a woman of God whose, I mean, love for Christ is immeasurable, right? And I think that's for many of us who love Christ, we understand that type of love, that inner joy that you feel, even in the midst of adversity, there's always this joy that is in us. And that is because it's the joy of the Lord, which never ceases. Happiness is but for a moment, right? Think about it. People say, I just want to be happy, but happy is a instant gratification. It's a type of a feeling that gives you a euphoria for whatever time frame it is that something makes you happy, if that makes sense. But once that euphoria dies down, you feel like something's missing again. Yeah, you know what that something is? True joy, eternal joy, everlasting joy. Notice I said everlasting, it lasts, it never dissipates. That is the joy of Jesus Christ. So I pray for that joy for everyone listening in the name of Jesus. So last week, we covered chapter 12 and chapter 13. And in chapter 12 and 13, we saw the exodus of the Israelites. We saw God's power. We saw his mighty hand move in the nation of Israel. You know, God made his promise. Although Pharaoh was stubborn and hard-hearted, God was still able to lift up that hard heart and soften it. I mean, to the point where Pharaoh was like, please, you can go take everything with you. And remember in previous chapters, God had told the Israelites that when they are leaving upon their exodus, they will be able to take whatever it is that they want from the Egyptians. And that happened accordingly. They were able to leave with jewelry and cattle. I mean, just so many possessions that these Israelite um, villagers had. Uh, sorry, these Egyptian villagers had, and they were able to take it all. And so God is just a God of his word. He's a man of his word. He never goes back on his word. What he says will be and shall be. He's the only one that can that can do and undo. And that is what God did in these last two chapters. Um, there's so many things that we we get to learn from this chapter. You know, that leadership under Pharaoh, if we want to liken it to our present day experience, right? And something that my special guest Lily had mentioned is, you know, if we look at the situation with Pharaoh, they're under a leadership who doesn't like God. I mean, think about it today. I'm not going to be the one to say that we're under a leadership that doesn't like God, but we are under a leadership that does not exemplify the things of God, the things of Christ, and we don't like it. We don't like this present leadership that we are under, you know? Um, and so, what do we do? We have to always remember to keep God first so that in any decision that is made by government leaders and anything that is done, we know that we are led spiritually on how to move. God told us in the book of Romans, uh, by the grace of God, we will get there in this podcast. God told us in the book of Romans that, well, through Paul, right, that we're not supposed to disobey the law. We're not supposed to disobey our governing leaders. However, we just need to apply discernment. We need to know how to move. If it is a situation where it, we're trying, they're trying to get us to deny Christ, well, then I guess we know that we're going to be long-suffering. But if we just hold it in our hearts that 
at some someday we're all going to die. A lot of people don't like to hear this, right? But someday we will all leave this earth. But what we must understand is that there is life after this. And where do you think your soul will end up? Because this body is only being held up because of a soul. Remember in the, in the beginning, Jesus breathed life into Adam after he molded him. Jesus breathed life. And then our life as women came out of Adam, if you think about it. But God breathed life into man. So it means that when that breath is gone, where does that soul go? And the soul can go to either only two places, in the, the lake of hellfire or the kingdom of God. And so our goal is to strive every day to attain the kingdom of God. And our daily guide to achieving that is this word of God that we are embarking on right now. It is the word of God that will help us get there. We are trying to break away from the sin of our father, our ancestor, right? Adam. Because when he sinned, when they sinned, we fell into, we were sort of like uh, jailed. We were sort of like held captive as prisoners um, to sin, right? But then here comes our Lord and Savior. Again, I know I'm going ahead of myself, but I pray we get there. You know, here comes our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who now did not come to do away with the laws that God put in place because God had to put some type of guidelines in place for mankind because the world was just going cray cray, right? But God said, no, 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 Moses, I need you to put something in stone right now. This is how the people must live by. But think about it. If we are held up to the law of Moses, um, yeah, many people will be dying like flies every day. It'll be off with your head. You, you, you didn't honor your father and mother and off with your head, you know, but, but Jesus made life easier in a way, even though it's still hard. And what is that he wants us to do is to love God with all our heart, with all our might, with all our soul, and then love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And you know, what's so crazy. We might be able to love our neighbors. Well, we can't love our neighbors if we don't love God because God is love. God is a spirit. God is not a religion, right? So it's not about being religious. It's about knowing God and understanding God's love for us. And that same love we share to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ or just people in general. People need to feel the presence of God from us. And so I didn't mean to deviate, but sometimes <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit that moves me. I, I always do a prayer like, Lord, just decrease me and you increase in me. So whatever flows, just know that the Holy Spirit is trying to give anyone listening this message. Uh, and so... You know, God led them out. That was, we learned about the first Passover, you know, and what they're supposed to do in remembrance, in remembrance, excuse me, that word is always a tongue twister sometimes, in remembrance of what God did for the Israelites when he helped them to escape from the hands of Pharaoh in Egypt. So now we go into chapter 14. And as you all know, I am usually reading from the New King James Version. And so we begin. Holy Spirit, activate. <laughs> All right, chapter 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Hahiroth between Migdol and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So let's take a moment and look at this. Remember, God is the one that can soften a hardened heart. In this moment, of course, Pharaoh was completely lost, right? He was completely hurt because obviously all the first sons, you can hear the crying and the wailing of the people of Egypt because of the loss of their sons, right? And including Pharaoh. 
And in that moment, Pharaoh in his agony just said, please go, 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 go and serve your God. Take everything with you. That's it. I'm done. Take everything with you. And now here's Pharaoh again. God hardened his heart because God still wants to show. It says it here in verse four, then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And so with this now, we're going to see another miracle of God. We're going to see God's hand, his powerful hand over the people of um, Egypt and over the people of Israel. And he did this by just creating man to have this hard heart to think that man, it's like God wants man to think that they know it all, like they can handle everything. You know, he's like, oh, you think you got this? Okay, I'm going to show you that I am, I am God. It's like scientists, it's like doctors, all these people that think they know it or like think they have the answer to human life. God gives everyone this knowledge, but he's not going to, we don't have that fruit of that true knowledge of how life really, really works, right? Because it is God that created life and God taketh life. And so God will put us in a position where we think we know it, right? When we say, I got this, this is the plan that I have for my life. But remember in Jeremiah, God said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I had plans for you, right? So God has plans for each and every one of us. So when we say we have our own plan, God is just laughing like, uh, yeah, no, that's not what I have planned for you, but I'll let you take that journey and let's see how that works out. And you might think things are going great, but like I said, there's always a sense of emptiness and that's because we did not allow God in. So I'm going to verse six. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Mm. So the Egyptians pursued them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them by camping by the sea beside Pi-Hahiroth before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now look at this. So there's something I learned, right, in... um one of the Bible study ministries that I'm a part of. And it's so interesting how God opens eyes of um, of everyone when you're reading the scripture. What my eyes will be open to see could be different from what your eyes are open to see, right? And that's why Bible study is so wonderful because everyone gets an opportunity to just sort of chime in and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm getting from it. Um, and when you look at it in that aspect, you're like, wow, the Bible definitely is the answer to this life that we are living. But I digress. So in this particular verse, verse 10, it says, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They were very afraid. Why were they afraid? They didn't have to be, right? Because God said he was with them. You know, God says, Be not dismayed, for I am with you. He says this in his word, in Isaiah. So what are we afraid of? He has already told us that he's going to be with us. He has given us, you see, the Israelites at that time were so lucky to have God, you know, pretty much that close to them because he was speaking through, you know, the, the intermediary was the angels, right? Speaking through um, the angels to Moses, most times Moses directly. And so it's like, why would God fail you now? Why would he forsake you? So that is just something for all of us to look at that we need not fear, we need not be dismayed, we need not be disheartened or troubled. When we serve the God that we serve, a living God, truly, in truth and in spirit, wholeheartedly, God got us. He would never forsake us. He would never leave us, right? And so this is a, a point of contact in terms of prayer to say that, Lord, I don't want the spirit of fear. The only type of fear I need to have is of God. But God didn't give us a spirit of fear, right? He gave us a, a spirit of, a, of power, of love, and a sound mind. So this sound mind should be what we hold on to because God has already told us, I am there for you. I will not leave you. You know what I mean? And so 
But God being the gracious God that he is, I'm sure he heard the voice of the Israelites. Let's go on to verse 11. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Oh, look at that. Okay, so I was saying to y'all earlier, um, just a few minutes ago, that in the Bible study ministry, the speaker made us to understand that although we praise God, although we believe in God, our minds, our hearts are still in Egypt. Now, Egypt can be personified as your afflictions, right? Egypt can be personified as a cell phone, TV series, makeup, hair weaves, you know, anything. We're still stuck in Egypt. We feel like you've taken me out of this life. Now I feel ugly. I don't look great just because I got to serve God. I got to look like this. At least that's what you think. But no, God didn't say you had to look ugly to serve him. Not at all. But that's usually the mentality, right? Because most times they see these Christian extremists who practically look like, they, you know, life is pretty tough. Now to each its own, it's okay, because everyone's salvation is personal. And if God spoke to them and said, this is how I need you to be um, presented before me, then they have to obey. But if it's not for you, it's not for you. That doesn't mean that um, God is not looking at you. Remember, in the end, he searches our hearts. And so a lot of us do have an Egypt that we end up going back to. We do have an Egypt that we are fighting to get out of. Any little situation that occurs, we look back to Egypt. Oh, life was better when I was in Egypt. Life was better when I was still going out to clubs and parties. I wasn't bored. I met people. I made new friends. You know, life wasn't boring when I was wearing all this makeup. In other words, when God said, thou shalt not have any other idols, those idols mean the things that we idolize. You know, and that could be for me, it was shrimp, right? Shrimp was one of them. I think there's quite a few things for me, but I had to buy shrimp, no matter how expensive it was. If I'm going to buy food, shrimp must be there. And we know that we're on a budget, but we're still going to buy it. And I would eat it. And it's like, I can't do without this. The things you desire over God is something you're idolizing. If it does not allow you time for God, if it does not allow you to be in his presence, even if it's for five minutes, then something's wrong. There is something that is occupying your time, something that you are now idolizing, that you need to pray out of your life or ask God to make it something that is not important, even though it still exists, right? And that was what happened with me with the shrimp. I realized after reading some passages in the Bible and God speaking to shellfish and different things, I was like, whoa, it, something just, well, I keep saying something, but it is the Holy Spirit just hit me. And I was like, okay, I have to, I got to relax. I, I'm doing too much with this. And um, now, you know, even my husband, he, I remember he was like, you didn't even buy shrimp. Interesting. And it's like, yeah, I never really even paid attention to it. I, I just lost the desire to buy shrimp all the time. Does that mean I don't eat it? I still do, but I don't make it a priority. It's not something like, I got to have it when I go out to eat, or if I'm going to cook at home, I must have it in my fridge. It wasn't, it, that just completely went down. Just like watching all these, you know, killing movies and action movies, movies that just do not add any substance or any value to my life. I just lost interest in it. And I love movies. Like I love movies. I have to watch it and I have to watch things with action or horror. But when you think about it, these things can ignite a type of emotion in you that you don't want. And with that type of emotion, the Holy Spirit cannot operate in you. And so when you are lost out there and you need guidance because you have filled your body with all this filth and your mind with all this filth, how can the Holy Spirit operate? And so these these are things that little by little God um, like imparts on, on us until we start to live that life you know, just normally as if it was nothing, but you start to feel it later. And so these two verses here just shows that we complain a lot. We're lazy. We don't want to take the long way. Think about it. We don't want to go through the process of the journey God has taken us through. You know, in the previous chapter last week, he said something about, I'm going to take them through the wilderness because he knew if I took them through the shortcut, they would probably go right back. They probably see some things that will remind them of the fun, quote unquote, they were having prior to this long journey they're about to embark on. 
And so God knew exactly what he was doing so that he can continue to show he is the I am. Verse 12, is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Wow. I haven't read this up until now. And so is exactly what I'm saying to you guys. They'd rather be in the, in the, in the jungle with all the wild animals, so to speak, when God is bringing you around doves and, and, and beautiful animals that are filled with peace and, and joy and tranquility and calm, like just go through the wilderness. How do we apply that to our lives today? God has a plan for us, yes. Sometimes we are shown, sometimes it's revealed to us, sometimes it's uh, revealed to us through someone prophetically. And because we know it, we try to cut corners to get there. But God never says when you'll get there. He just says you will. And it could be tomorrow. And if that tomorrow comes, it's because you're allowing the process. But when we're trying to do it on our own, no, we will always find ourselves right back where we started. We just need to be patient. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again, no more forever. Amen. And that's a prayer for anyone listening to that the Egyptians in your life, the afflictions, the Goliath, the things that are standing in your way from this day forward in the name of Jesus, as you have accepted Christ, as you continue to serve God with all your heart and your all your might, you will no longer see those Egyptians in your life again. You will no longer see those stumbling blocks in your life again. Amen. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. God is like, hello, what did I tell you? Didn't I tell you that I'm here for them, that I'm going to protect them? Come on, move. How can the Lord order your steps if you're just complacent and standing still and crying? If God says, you just keep on going, I'll make a way even where there seems to be no way. Well, then you got to keep on walking and just trust that he's going to direct you. If we remember in Genesis, I don't know if anyone has listened to the Genesis series yet, but in Genesis, what did God say to Abraham? He said, get up, take your family, your livestock, your, your servants, everybody, and move. Go to the land of Canaan. I'm going to take you to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And Abraham got up and obeyed. And he's like, okay, let me go. He was going somewhere that he did not know, but trusting that God was going to get him there because the Lord told him to do it. This is why they call him the father of faith, really more so because of the fact that he was ready to sacrifice his only son. Um, but that also was a symbolism of Jesus Christ today. Uh, so let's not go off topic, but you know, just something for, for you all to think about. Verse 16, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Mm. Do you hear the power of God in this, in this case right here? Remember, the people were kind of like camping out. But by the time they would pick up to start running, and we're talking about thousands of Israelites, Pharaoh and his men would have caught up to them. And so they were so afraid, like, what are we going to do? They're very close by. We've, we've got to do something. You should have just let them. Let them take us back. We don't want to go. Oh, my God, they're going to get us. And this is when the Lord decided to show that he is the I am. And he told Moses that he needed to lift up that rod and stretch out his hand over the sea and divide it. And verse 17 says, and I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. God is repeating it again. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel. See, this again lets you know that we are all assigned an angel and the angel is usually making the way before us clear, right? Always making sure that that path is clear. And how do we know that the angel is there? Maybe you might've had a moment where you were about to go left and you're like, mm, let me go this way. But you, you never really like put two and two together. You never think, why did I decide not to go that way? I normally go that way. Because nine times out of 10, that is the angel that God has assigned to you. That is your spirit man talking on the inside of you. 
and we want to get to a place where we can identify it. We want to get to a place spiritually where we can actually see the path in which we are taking because we do live in a spiritual world. And so the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. That pillar of cloud represents God because God did say that that pillar of cloud did not depart from them day nor night. It followed them. It was a way of directing them on which way to go. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Hmm. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. God is a God of light, not darkness. And so he will always give light, even in darkness. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. Hallelujah. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Can you guys just envision that? A water being separated. And it's imagine so it's a imagine the body of water, right? It's it was probably so high that even walking through it, a, a sense of fear would go through you, right? Because you'd be like, oh my God, if this water were to just stop, whew, that's how we would be way under <laughs> underground, right? Um so God is good. Verse 23, and the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove with them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Hallelujah. This is verse 25 of chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Can you imagine that? What a mighty God. As soon as the last Israelite made it across, those Egyptians were trying to catch up. But when they realized, oh my God, the wheels of the chariot is just not working. Something isn't right. They're like, listen, God is fighting for them. May God fight for us. Every time your enemy arises and tries to come against you, may the Lord God Almighty fight your battle for you. May he, may he make you victorious over your enemies in the name of Jesus. Amen. And Moses, I'm sorry. And then verse 28 says, then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. This goes to show that God can command anything, even the water. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And this ends chapter 14. You know, there's this thing where they say that... Um, People will believe God when they see it, when they see him or when they see his miraculous hand. And that was kind of the story of the Israelites. They had this thing where I, we don't believe God is here because look at what we are about to face. Look at what is about to happen. We're about to die of hunger. We're, we're dying. We're dying. We're dying. We need help. And then the moment God shows his face, it's like, ah, this God is truly with us. Oh, my goodness. And they all start bowing. They all start praying. They all start worshiping. And it's like, did you have to see that? And you were close to God enough to witness this. But for you and I who have been grafted in spiritually as Israelites, we are believing what we haven't even seen. But based off of what we read, we know that this God is with us. That's because it's already been embedded in us. 
man, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. So welcome back. Welcome back. We are in um, chapter 15 of the book of Exodus. We just completed Exodus 14. And man, you know, we, once again, we see God's mighty hand. We we see him prove himself time and time again when it came to the exodus of the Israelites. And I just want us to understand something that we may be in bondage for a moment. And sometimes we are in bondage in our own mind, right? And when I say our own mind, because we're so quick to say, oh, the enemies are after me. Oh, the evil ones, they want to bring me down. Many times it's kind of you. It's usually us. It's usually our thoughts of ourselves. We, we, we keep ourselves in bondage because we always think the worst. We always think negative. We could be our own Egypt. And we need to break out of that. And the only way to do that is by accepting Christ in your life, is by allowing God to take control, allowing God to lead you and to move you out of this Egypt, out of this wilderness, right? And the only way that God can do that is by you serving him in truth and in spirit and believing that he's going to take you out because he can do it, but you have to believe so that you don't go back to that same Egypt. Amen. All right. Chapter 15. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song and he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You, in your mercy, have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. Till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in the plant. I'm sorry, you will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. What a praise. What a, a praised song of worship to God. And, you know, one of these verses here is an actual song that we sing in church from verse 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods, who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders, hallelujah. I'm not a singer, guys, but I love the song. 
and I just love to sing. I love to sing songs and phrases, but that's a song that we sing. And um, so it's just so wonderful to see where the song came from. And it came from the word of God. That is like awesome. Like I know a lot of people, you know, they sing songs, they they compose music and things like that. Most of it could definitely be spirit, um, Holy Spirit inspired. But then when the song comes from the Bible and it like you bring it to life, that's just 10 times, a hundred times felt, you know? So um, you just give God all the glory. This was such a praise to God. The people were clearly, um, uh, you know, just admiring the hand of God in their lives. The Israelites were just so happy to have this powerful almighty God who was on their side, you know? And so God is wonderful. God is great. And I, I also pray, you know, verse 19 says that, you know, Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen, they they were all in the sea. They, they the, the sea covered them, but the children of Israel went on dry land. And I pray that wherever there is a storm, hallelujah, wherever there is a storm in our lives and each and every one of us, and those of you who are listening, wherever there's a storm that we are facing, May we escape it on dry land in the mighty name of Jesus. May we not be drowned or swallowed up or sunken into the storm in the mighty name of Jesus. Verse 20, and this is titled The Song of Miriam. So the first one that we just listened to from verses 1 to 19 was titled The Song of Moses. We're now hearing the song of Miriam. Who's Miriam? Verse 20 says, then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron took the timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And timbrels obviously is um, a tool, an instrument of music. And Miriam being a prophetess may have come as a surprise to many people because this is the first prophetess that we hear about in the Bible. And we know what prophets do, right? The Lord speaks to them and they give forth God's word to the people that this is to come, or this is a warning sort of thing. Uh, and so Miriam answered them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. And the women are singing this over and over, back and forth, and just dancing, and, and they're happy. Imagine just a bunch of women. And they sang because they saw the mighty hand of God after the passing of the Red Sea. God is good. Now, this next subtopic says, bitter waters made sweet. Verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Hmm. Now, here comes another obstacle. <coughs> Excuse me. Here comes another obstacle. Right? And we call this obstacle. They were just praising. They were happy. They're dancing, they're singing, just grateful and joyful, thanking God for getting them away from the hands of the Egyptians and them seeing this miracle of God, right? And now, since they crossed the Red Sea, they've been traveling three days in the wilderness and they found no water. And verse 23 says, now when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. You know, <clears throat> this lets us know that there will be challenges and troubles, but we have to pass the test. You must follow the teacher, otherwise you are you're, you're not a follower of Christ. God was leading through Moses, right? And they just needed to hang on just a little bit longer. They just needed to be, they just needed to be brave. They just needed to trust God and trust his hand in their lives. Verse 23 says, <clears throat> verse 24 says, and the people complained, here it goes, against Moses saying, what shall we drink? The way they were coming at Moses. I mean, Moses definitely had his work cut out for him because I know he was just upset every time with the people like, are y'all serious right now? Do you really think that God is going to let you guys die here? He just let you escape from the hands of the people who were going to actually kill you. And here you are all complaining again. You haven't had water, which means that they pretty much were like dry fasting at this point. If they didn't have water, they most likely had nothing to eat. 25. So he cried out to the Lord, he being Moses, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. 
There he made a statue and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. You know, there's a purpose for our journey, right? And we just need to trust God's process. God wants you to rely on him. He wants us to rely on him. That's the trajectory of a believer, that God is going to take us through the rough because he wants us to need him. And so he put this statue here and there he tested them. God is going to put us to tests, right? He knows what is in our heart, but he's still going to test us to know for you to know for yourself. He is the reason we are still standing. So even though God says he's going to take you out of your problem, he's going to remove this stumbling block in front of you. He's still going to put you to the test. He's still going to make you be without something that you really, really need. He knows you need it. He's not going to, you know, burden you by not letting you have it, but he's going to take it away from you momentarily to see, will this person still trust me even in this situation? You know? Yeah, you know, and so these tests that God puts us through, it may break us down, but it's going to break us down gracefully. Like you're gracefully broken to the point of where you have no choice but to call out unto him. But there might be situations where we don't have to do that, right? Just because we are being put to the test does not mean that we need to be like how the Israelites were crying and complaining and groaning and, you know, X, Y, Z, or I'm going to put this shiny object in front of you just to see how you take it. Are you going to idolize this shiny object? Are you going to make this your idol? Are you going to forget the promise that I made or that I gave you? And so these are all tests that God puts in our path. And we are expected to pass those tests. When you don't, you wonder why you're still in the problem you're still in longer than you should be. Like, you know, you have the credentials to get that promotion. You know, you have what it takes to do this job or, or just do whatever it is in life. And people, you just see, it feels like people are always being chosen over you, but that's because when God puts you through these tests, you don't pass them. You don't take time to just allow God Take time to allow God, period. That's the word. You know, we, we get into this place of complacency and, and laziness, and we just want to complain without actually allowing God to do the work in our lives. And so verse 27, which is the last verse of chapter 15, says, When they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water, then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, so they camped there by the waters. Huh, you see that? They complained and complained and complained, right? And eventually God turned that bitter water sweet so that they'd be able to drink it. Still putting them to the test, you know. But then after some time, when they came to a place called Elam, there were 12 wells of water. Can you imagine? They came across the well all of a sudden. In their entire journey, they did not see not one well. But that's because God, he knew what he was doing, right? He knew these people are going to complain. There's gonna, God is all knowing. He already knows what's going to happen before it happens because he knows our hearts. He's the one that put the heart there. He's the one that created us. But these 12 wells of water suddenly appears. They went from having nothing to having an, an abundance. God had to humble them. It means God will test us no matter what. That is the trage trajectory of a believer. Just know that once you have chosen to follow me, even Christ said it um, in the New Testament, in the book of Matthews, that if they have persecuted me, they will surely persecute you. And we're talking about Jesus here. He was persecuted. So we that decide to follow Jesus, that decide to be followers of Christ, we would be persecuted just the same. And that is in every aspect of life. It might not be necessarily death on the spot, but in all the things that we go through in this journey called life, there we, we may face persecution because we never know the spirit that is operating in the people who 
are before us. And this is why we must always pray for the spirit of discernment, this the this power of the Holy Spirit to like dwell within us so that God can open our eyes to be able to see, you know, and even if we can't see it, we'd be able to sense it. You know, we'd be able to like weed it out. The moment somebody approaches you, you will know instantly because your spirit would be like, uh-uh, don't even spend uh, another second with this person. Bless them, keep it moving. Because what you don't want to do is leave an opening for the enemy to come in. You know, so we need to be discerning at all times with our spirit when it comes to our life in this world. We have um, a responsibility uh, to make sure that we are an example to our children, to the youth, to our nieces, nephews, students, whatever it is that you have, but to the generation that is coming after us. There's got to be this root of knowing God embedded in them. We are living in a time today where these things are trying to be erased through social media, cartoons, all these things. They're trying to get into the minds of these little ones to make them not even know that there's a God that exists. So that is why church is important. That is why the gathering is important. That is why praying with your family is important. We need to train our children in the way of the Lord so that when they grow older, they will not depart from it. These are the words of God. We must train our children and I'm so grateful and happy about my parents, most especially my mom, for putting us that foundation in us because we're going to go through life. God knows it. But when you are called, <laughs> you're going to go through life to the point where you, you just find yourself surrendering to God because you get to a point in your life where you like life has no meaning. You could have it all, but it still has no meaning. You just feel like there's a missing link. But once you get to know God, your life will feel totally complete, even in the absence of the things that you once had, because you realize that all those things are material. When you leave this earth, they're going to be here. It's going to rust. It's going to get old. Some people might use it after you're gone, but still it's going to rust on earth. You don't take it with you in the afterlife, right? Which I said earlier, there is life after death. But God has made a promise to us, right? The Lord made a promise to that life that we are going to live where there will no longer be tears. There will no longer be sorrow. There will be no fighting. There will be no killing. There will be no lying. You know, there will be, no, there will be nothing evil that we face today on this earth. It'll be a place of just complete joy, of light from God, not even from the sun. You know, <laughs> I want to be there. No matter how fictitious people think this Bible is, I want to be there. That's the kind of life I would love to live. And that's the kind of life that I pray we all uh, achieve and strive for. And the only way to do this is to have and build your relationship with God through his word daily, meditating in his word day and night. And I say this for myself as well. Sometimes I get caught up. Sometimes I'm like, oh, shoot, I didn't post a certain video. I didn't post a, a, a um you know, an informational today as it concerns my, my businesses, you know, like I have to, I have to be on point. I got to keep up. I got to keep up. I got to keep up. And it's so funny. I spoke to my sister and she was like, there's an app that does that for you. Just do it like on a Sunday and schedule all your posts. And I'm like, what? I need that. You know, I'm a little old school here. I mean, I guess almost 41 is not old school, but hey, these are not the things that we know, like, you know, the younger generation, the millennials, the, the Gen Zs, as they would call them. And so I was like, oh, I need that app in my life. I have to do that because that would surely make things much easier for me. I do not like social media, I'll tell you guys right now, but it is a part of life in terms of how far you want to get your business. But I'm a firm believer in the traditional way, and that is meeting people, letting people remember you, leaving an indelible mark in their minds with your card, and they will call you. They will get back to you. That never goes out of style. That is very organic. It's very authentic. Um, and, and people like the personal about you. They like to know that you're a family person. They like to know that you, you know, you're a person of faith, things like that, you know, substance, they just uh, value. So all these things would never ever go out of style. Uh, but without going off on a tangent. I want to thank everyone again for listening. We did cover chapters 14 and 15 today. We saw how God helped the Israelites escape from Pharaoh, how he hardened Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh was just gun hold on trying to get them and said he would kill them. He would subdue them and all these things. And God divided the waters. He divided the sea and the Israelites were able to cross the Red Sea 
on dry land, but the Egyptians were swallowed up in that water the moment the last Israelite made it across the sea. Wow, what a mighty God. And then we come to a place where they're traveling for three days without water. But again, everything is a test. God wants to see your faith. God wants to see how, how long you can hold and stand firm. And he did this here. But you know, Moses had to cry out again onto these people. And you can kind of hear the frustration in God's voice. He said, come on, do what I ask you to do. Don't let these people frustrate you. You already know. So could we say that there were probably some doubts in Moses um, from time to time? Probably, because what are you calling out for? If I've given you the authority, if I've put my words in your mouth, you know? And so we just give God all the glory. We pray that our well will never run dry. In this case, God made the waters, the bitter waters sweet. Anything bitter in your life that lacks taste, that lacks flavor. I pray that God turns it sweet. I pray that you live a sweet life in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that wherever our land is dry, whether it be in our finances, in our marriage, in our relationships with friends and family, whatever it is, every dry land, may the Lord fill it up. May the Lord make it rise again. May it be wet with God's fountain of living water. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen, amen in Jesus' name. Thank you all once again for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to subscribe. I also would appreciate your support. I believe I have a support link where you can donate any amount. It would help me to improve my um, equipment for this podcast. It would help me to even be able to get some soundproof for better sound and possibly to be able to do a video podcast as well. So you get to see me, you get to see my facial expressions too. So thank you all so much once again for listening. Make sure you share this podcast with other people that you feel would benefit from it. You know, touch one, touch all. If it is doing something for you, if it is giving you the passion to want to pick up the Bible as well and read, I am so grateful to God and I'm thankful to hear that. And I pray that it is something that becomes a part of your life consistently and that you intentionally seek God for yourself. And I pray that the Holy Spirit places a heavy burden on you to just want to go into a secret place with God where you get to know him and so that God can sit with you. Sometimes we just need to be sat upon by God where you just sit and the Lord sits with you and holds your hand and tells you how he wants you to move. And I pray this for you and myself in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. Remember to put God first and remember to read your Bible. Remember to love one another just as God loves us. Have a blessed morning, afternoon, and evening. I'm your host, Anike Akinbode, with the Holy Spirit as my backup. Thank you all. God bless you.